Hey listeners, welcome to the Intelligent Conversations, where we believe that everyone has a form of intelligence that resides within them. We invite guests from various backgrounds to share with you what makes them unique. Our hope is that you and I can learn and grow together. Without further ado, welcome to the show. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Intelligent Conversations podcast. Today I have the honor to speak with Michael Max Darrow. Michael is a retired police officer and infantry officer. He has a background in martial arts and has recently learned the writing game. Michael has now published two books with two more on the way. So Michael, thank you for taking the time to come on today. I look forward to learning more about you and hearing what you have to share with us today. But I like to start out with this question, and this may take it way back, but what motivated you to kind of join the police and military? What was kind of the motivation behind that? Uh, when I was a kid, uh, you know, you looked to the strong male figures in society um, as uh, boys, uh, probably more when I was a kid, you know, back in the 60s in Los Angeles, um, you know, it was all about being macho and so, you know, uh, looked at, you look to the macho professions. You look like looked at uh, law enforcement and the military. So I went in the military first, and then I went into law enforcement. Had I followed my dreams, I probably would have uh, been a veterinarian, but that wasn't macho. So, <laughs> so I love animals. Really? What, what was kind of the interest behind animals? Just you grow up on a farm or like what was kind of? No, just, just you know, had dogs and cats growing up. Um, I'm still, uh, my wife and kids call me the cat whisperer because uh, there's not a stray cat that doesn't uh, come to our house and get food, you know. <laughs> no. That's that's cool. That's something I think not too many people like would put together, right? Military and, you know, animal lover because. Yes, us macho guys can have a soft side <laughs> <Yeah>. too. <laughs> I feel like everyone always has to have that, like, you know, that soft side too. Like that's something that just, you have to care about something, right? Like. I know sometimes as oh, yeah. a, that macho man, you're like, oh, I just no feeling, no emotion, no nothing, right? And but it's okay to like, you know, let loose on some things, right? Hey, I cry, I cry at commercials now. <laughs> I mean, when you get older, your emotions come out more. And uh, I see a sad commercial, I do that. <laughs> like those, uh, what should we call it? Commercials, the like the donate to save a dog today, and like, uh, no, no, those are the worst. You can't even watch those. <laughs> Those oh, those, yeah, those commercials are something. Yeah, don't worry, you're you're not alone in that one. That's something I think everyone's like, oh man, something makes you want to go buy a dog or something. It's like, oh, I gotta go adopt a dog real quick. Yeah. So you didn't really pursue uh, that path, but uh, what what was maybe the reasoning why you didn't go down that road? Was it just society pressure, or just what kind of was the reasoning? Probably. Society pressure. Uh, I had a dad that was a macho. Well, he put off a macho uh, persona. He was an only child, um, son of uh, Oklahoma sharecroppers, you know, so um, he was uh, very much a cowboy. So, uh, you know, you, you got to, uh, you, you know, young boys, I think they try to, they grew up trying to impress their dad. So that had a, probably had a lot to do with my career choices okay yeah that's thank you for sharing that that's something i think everyone at the end of the day right they want to they want to make their parents proud or they want to progress the family name better than what it was type of thing that's something i think 
a lot of us have this pressure on and that's I now that you like mention it's something I think I do as well it's like my dad he did better than his dad I'm like I want to do better than mine and it's like you want to just you know progress the family name that's something I want to do as well but um so what was it like then being in the military what was it like law enforcement what was it like being in there Military, I liked. It's because it's the rules are cut and dry. You know, there's no wiggle room. It's very regimented oriented. Um, serving your country is a great thing. I was fortunate because I was a Cold War. I'm a Cold War veteran, so you know I didn't see have to see the combat that the, the guys saw going over to Iraq, Afghanistan. You know, I'm thankful for that. I can't help when I was born and when I turned 18. I served as soon as I could. And, uh, you know, we didn't couldn't just get rid of the military during the Cold War, obviously. It was actually it was a stressful period because it was full of a lot of preparedness and drills all the time. You know, it was uh, the Russians are going to attack or drop the nukes on us any minute. So there was a lot of stress, not a lot of shots fired, obviously. Man. Yes, there's my cats. <laughs> no, I love having another guest on. That's something we all can <laughs> yep. have. So, I mean, kind of my audience base and, you know, people that listen to the show, they weren't alive when the Cold War was happening. I, I wasn't alive either, right? And it's kind of an interesting point in time because it's recent, right? We still have people that went through that. Like my parents were, like, were alive. They were growing up when that was happening. What was kind of that like? What was the Cold War like? Oh, it was a lot of people were, you know, the doomsday, the preppers, you know, we had a lot of those uh, building silos <laughs> in their basements and uh, fallout shelters. And um, it's funny because in the, the I see stories on the Internet all the time where people I was remodeling my front room and found a bomb shelter underneath the front room from the 70s, from the 60s, you know, uh, it was a, a lot of fear and worry for the population and then uh, just a lot of training for us. Yeah, he's walking in front of my camera there. My wife just kicked me <laughs> <with> the cat. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, now we've, we've had a resurgence of that because of uh, the pandemic. A lot of people started the prepping thing. And yeah, you know, remember when you couldn't find toilet paper for yes, oh, six months? <laughs> that is still fresh in all our minds. And so I guess you having experience growing up in that time and what would you kind of suggest, you know, how we handle the fear then today, like the uncertainty, the fear that comes today? I mean, we've obviously had it happen before. What's the best way we can handle it today? I think the best thing is just uh, don't let it overtake you, you know, uh, live your life. Uh, you could prepare a little bit, I guess, uh, have, have a couple cases of Top Ramen and some water supply or something. But I mean... I, I'm 61 now, I'm soon to be 62, and I, I've noticed in my life that the worst things in my life never happened. It's just we stress and we worry about things, you know, sit back and, and relax, trust uh, trust our government. That's kind of hard to say right now um, with everything you see in the news. Huh. <clears throat> yeah, but uh, just don't stress too bad, you know, life is good. I think that's a great approach, actually, to life, right? Have like that optimistic view, like, hey, things are going to work out. And oftentimes I think, oh, what was it? There was a quote I freaking read in a book. I don't I can't cite the exact source, but they said something like 90% or what happens, like 
the bad things that happen happen in our head type of thing. It's not even it's not even yeah, it's true. anything like that. But yeah, I I for one respect people with any military, <laughs> any police background in general. But uh, what's kind of some of the lessons like or like character? Because I feel like it's a good character building uh, moment when you served and things. What were some of the things that helped develop your character and like who you are? Well, the military is definitely good. I mean, I, I encourage all men and women to serve their country. My daughter served uh, five years on the USS Carl Vinson aircraft carrier, you know, up on the flight deck launching jets, one of the most dangerous jobs in the military. And I've noticed that she, you know, has a lot of self-confidence now. She's about to graduate from UNLV and she's already got uh, the job of her dreams lined up. So, yeah, it gives you a lot of confidence. Now, as for law enforcement, we need law enforcement. It's a totally different era now for law enforcement than when I was a police officer. You know, you've got uh, cell phones and body cameras and uh, everybody's scrutinizing every every new move you make. I wouldn't enjoy being a police officer today. I, I joined, you know, to make a difference and to uh, help people, help society. And I worked in a very busy uh, city in Southern California uh, with a lot of crime. And uh, there, I, you know, I took away good and bad from it. Uh, good was uh, I made a lot of difference. I saved lives. Bad was uh, there's a lot of um, inside turmoil in police departments because you have people. And when you have people, you have, especially police officers, type A plus personalities. You have a lot of petty jealousies and everybody's uh, dating everybody and the dispatchers and the records clerks. And it's a it's a love boat, you know, and uh, a lot of uh, backstabbing and stuff. And that was the not fun part of of law enforcement. You're going to have that in any police department. I kind of wish I would have done 10 years and then went to uh Wyoming or Montana, like uh, did the the Walt Longmire thing, you know, Uh, got out of the big city, but I didn't. So thank you. I mean, that's something I mean, everyone has someone's got to do it type of thing. And I that's (laughs) that's something that that I (laughs) just again. Yeah, it's great. You know, I've been punched, kicked, run over, spit on. Uh, Yeah, it's it's great. Great (laughs) job. You you see the, the ugly parts of society and take care of it and you know, kind of protect people. And that's something I think people don't really give credit to that often. And first off, thank you. But you, you mentioned uh, something about confidence and like building self-confidence. I think a lot of kids, especially like when I, you know, interact with them, I mean, you mentioned your daughter when she joined, uh, you know, served on the aircraft carrier, she developed a lot of self-confidence, but often like maybe some people don't want to go that route. What do you? What would you say is a good way to kind of help build that self confidence in themselves, so then they trust themselves to actually do what they want to do? Martial arts. The martial arts are great for um, self confidence. You know, it's funny because I, you know, I, I started in the martial arts at a young age and then um, <clears throat> ended up teaching martial arts to youngsters. And even when I was an adult in the martial arts and a, a new a new person would join, let's say some guy, 25, 30 year old joins in the martial arts and he gets punched in the face and the reaction on his face. He's like, that's the first time I've ever been punched in, in the face in my life. <laughs> and I'm like, wow, really? I mean, <laughs> I've, that's surprising because a lot of people don't have uh, that kind of confidence. Uh, uh, 
and it's you see a change in people when they've been in the martial arts for a year or two. They they're more confident. They hold themselves a little better. They they realize they can get punched in the face. Their fear goes down as far as like uh, verbal confrontation skills. Um, they're not going to be as af- as afraid. Um, but we also stress in the martial arts that uh, a fight avoided is a fight won. And uh, not to engage. Uh, honestly, the worst people in the martial arts are, are your white belts and yellow belts, right? Because they've been studying the martial arts for a month or two and now they know everything and they think they're Jean-Claude Van Damme. So uh, after we get them out of that, a few years down the road, if they survive to the higher belts, the greens and red belts, uh, then they're doing pretty good. You know, some people quit. It's tough. You know, there's a lot of pain involved. I broke a lot of toes and and uh, metacarpals wow. and hands. I mean, and, that's. Yeah. I, I thought it was just uh, kind of like how they portray. It. I mean, obviously, maybe <laughs> I need to get out a little more and maybe experience some of this martial arts myself. But like just the movies and stuff, they kind of portray it as like, you know, what you mentioned. Just oh yeah, let's. I know everything and just bam, bam, bam. Like and they always try and engage. Yeah, and they go engaged in fights and stuff. But yeah, that's something I, I, I think could benefit a lot of people and i've heard it, it helps with discipline as well right like really just helps you stick with stuff yes absolutely you know kids kids with discipline problems uh you put them in the martial arts or an organized sport a, a lot of times young boys and girls they got a lot of energy and parents nowadays it's not like the 50s and 60s where moms at home you know usually both parents are working these days if there are both parents and uh, so the kids are bored. I mean, nowadays they're just they're on their phone mm-hmm. playing a game or playing their you know Nintendo Switch or whatever. But uh, when I was a kid, I mean, uh, you know, there was sports, things to do outside. So there's there's things you can get kids involved in now that are going to get them some uh, some self confidence, some interaction with other people. You know, there's soccer, soccer camps. There's all kinds of things out there. You know, ice hockey. I love playing ice hockey. I mean, there's things to do. I, I agree. For one, I I played. Uh, I was very active and I did a uh, basketball and track when I was in high school, and that was again. It, it was it was interesting because like each sport has like their own lesson. I feel like right, like each like basketball kind of taught you the like focus on like kind of the fine details and like this move. Whereas track was more of like no, like you got to actually do this yourself if you want to win. <laughs> like it was something like that. So I want to, I kind of want to ask this, what would you say is something martial arts teaches that no other sport or no other thing can teach? I don't know that. I mean, obviously uh, getting, getting hit and hitting other people is part of the martial arts. So a lot of your sports, unless you play ice hockey, um, fighting is not part of that. So uh, martial arts is fighting. So, um, you know, it, it's uh, developing a, and understanding the kinesiology of the human body and uh, how to strike and striking points that are effective, what works and what doesn't work, what flowery, showy kicks look great in, uh, in uh, movies and what don't actually work in real life. So... Martial arts is good. Hockey's good. I mean, it's hard. It's hard to say. I mean, any any sport is going to teach a kid. I hate these. I just hate today's giving everybody a trophy thing. I mean, in the martial arts, you know, if you don't learn everything, 
you're not going to progress to the next belt. You're not going to get it because, uh, at least in, in my martial arts styles, um, you had to show everything you learned to get the next belt. Otherwise, you stay at this belt. You don't move forward. Well, nowadays, you know, here's a trophy, Jimmy. Here's a trophy, Janie. You know, thanks for participating. We're all winners. You know, what does that teach them in life? No, when their first job interview, when they say, oh, you don't fit the profile. Sorry, they're crushed. You know, <laughs> you got to fail. You got to learn how to I, fail. I agree. <laughs> That's something I think has been huge. I mean, a lot of people that are going into their careers now and it's, like you said, they go into that job interview and they say, no, like, no, you, you're not allowed. Or like, nope, you, you just don't fit the qualifications. And they're like, what? Like I did everything I was supposed to. And I'm like, hate to break it to you. Like there's just some times where it's just like, you have everything, you met the criteria, but you just don't get it. Like that's just doesn't happen for you. And that's okay type of thing. And where it's like the, I think it's better to experience it when you're younger. Cause then you learn to like deal with it, cope with it. Because don't get me wrong, losing is not fun, right? I don't like losing. Yes, I'm exactly. I like to win. But at the same time, you got to, once you're older, if that's the first time you learn to lose, then yikes. <laughs> you can't have a meltdown, you know, in a job interview at 22 or 23 years old because you never failed before. It doesn't look good. Especially on social media and stuff. I mean, yes, there's a lot of bad things that come with it. But one of the things you'll find on, I've, I've seen on a couple of the videos that like people post and it's like most successful people say, dude, we just like, we failed over and over and over and over and over again. And then we finally got one. It's like, we got one win to every 10 losses we had, but here we are and everyone's calling us a success. And it's like, there you go. Right. It's okay to lose. Now don't now. I think there's a difference, right? You can settle and be like, Oh, like I'm just a loser, whatever. Or you can actually go out and, do something about it as well. So I think it's only natural for me to ask how, how do you get people to overcome? I guess that like, if they get stuck type of thing, like in that, Oh, I'm just going to lose. Like why bother trying? How do you get them to kind of just say, no, like I'm going to do something about this actually act. I think that's something a lot of people fail to do is to actually act. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that has to do with upbringing or what, but I mean, you know, in a, one of the places where I practiced the martial arts, there was this, uh, a slogan, a saying above the door. And a lot of us, uh, it, we would reach up and touch it on our way out. And it said, winners never quit, quitters never win. And, uh, you know, you have to, you have to be stubborn. You, if you want that, I think, see, this funny, this podcast is about intelligence. And I often say I'm the, I'm the dumbest person I know because all my kids are so accomplished in college and scientists and registered nurses and, you know, doing so well. And, and I, here I am, you know, I was, a, I was, I was in the infantry and I was a cop. Okay. I'm so, so I, I'm, I'm not a genius, but I've written three books now with two more on the way. Things have updated since uh, last time I talked to you. So and the reason for that is um, I'm stubborn. And I think a little bit of stubbornness is good because I don't quit. My wife has heard me sitting at the computer when I'm trying to do something. And, uh, you know, I didn't grow up with computers. I mean, uh, we didn't have cell phones as kids. We weren't smart that way, you know, with the technology, people of my age. I know people of my age that, you know, refuse to 
get smartphones. They have flip phones and they refuse to have laptops. You know, they just it's not their thing. Well, when when I hit a roadblock, I just double down. Uh, I've cussed at this computer and I've, I can't figure this out. And I'll, I'll sit there for hours until I figure it out. And that's how I was when I retired and decided I wanted to write books because I've had these stories in my head all my life. I grew up uh, reading science fiction and fantasy novels. And so I and then I would develop these stories in my head. I said, someday I'm going to write these down. I never did. I was always busy. So when I retired, um, started writing. I have failed more in writing probably than anything else. It is very difficult. Uh, you have to read writing the story is easy. Then going back and uh, reading, rereading, having beta readers and editors and learning that, what, I've been using the wrong word for 61 years? You know, I mean, that happens a lot. And uh, finding artwork and learning how to interface with uh, Kindle Direct Publishing's platform and uh, Kobo and Barnes and Noble and, uh, yeah, a lot of cussing at the computer. Uh, and but, but I am stubborn. It goes back to if a kid can be stubborn and you can t- if you can teach somebody, um, if you quit, you're not going to get anywhere. So you know what? Keep going. Keep going. And uh, I don't quit until I get where I'm going. You know, it's the same. It was the same in the military. It's the same in the, in the police department. You don't quit when when you have a bad day. <clears throat> Everything that was said there, I think. Stubbornness, resiliency, that is something that will get you far in life in today's world. Where, And I, I, I had to chuckle a little bit at your comment about how this is the intelligent conversations and you don't view yourself like your kids are geniuses and stuff. And I think uh, kind of like just touch on maybe a little bit like what the show's about. It's everyone is unique. Everyone has their own stories, their own experiences and only you have lived those experiences. So in a way that makes you intelligent because only you've done it and only you've put in the time, only you've right never given up and learned these specific things. So then you can teach others. And that's, that's kind of the point of my show. I want to share, Hey, what makes you intelligent type of thing. And thank you for sharing that. I think that's something a lot of people can benefit from and grow and improve their lives stubbornness is something that that i think a lot of people lack because they see like this perfect world type of thing right on instagram uh tiktok twitter all these social media platforms so i guess i want to ask this but how i mean i i guess you already kind of answered this you know be stubborn and like just never give up but like how do you kind of cope with you know maybe that perfect world that's portrayed on social media and like, oh, like, man, they're doing all these amazing things. What what am I doing type of thing? Like, how would you say for that younger generation, how would you help them kind of deal with that? Uh, a lot of people, you know, they look at what they want. Um, they constantly want things, constantly want instant gratification. Uh, the big car, big house, uh, you know, a lot of people these days don't realize that uh, you have more than you need. You know, a lot of people aren't thankful, aren't grateful. Um, I, I I don't want to preach on religion because I'm not really into organized religion, but I am a, a spiritual person. 
you know, I, I was fortunate in life. Uh, I met some cool people that introduced me to some pretty cool spirituality. And uh, I take time every day to be grateful and thankful for what, for what I have. It's, I don't know, what just came to my mind was there's a line in a movie. It's a Denzel Washington movie, it's a dystopian movie, The, the Book of Eli. And, uh, you know, this, this, it's the end of the end times, you know, everything's blown up. And, and uh, uh, Denzel Washington was alive before the world uh, melted down. And um, Mila Kunis, she, she wasn't. And she asks him, what was it like before? You know, because yeah. in, in this dystopian world, in this movie, I mean, you have to, people are killing each other for water. I mean, just basic things. And uh, he says, uh, he, he says, we had more than we needed. And that's to, to, to me was like the most powerful line of the whole movie. People today, especially Americans, are so spoiled. They've never been in another country. They've never lived out of a rucksack and slept in the dirt with a rock for a pillow like I did in the military, you know, I mean, um, they, they've never seen, um, they, they haven't seen bad. Even people who aren't doing as well as me, I still see them with cars and cell phones. I mean, they're getting the free government phones. I mean, I mean, we don't have it that bad. People forget to be thankful for what you do have. Because there's people in other countries for grateful. They don't know where their next meal is coming from. There's people in this country that don't know where their next meal is coming from. You know, <laughs> so be thankful. I, I'm grateful every day. I'm happy. Life is good. You know, I, I don't have a McLaren to drive. Uh, gee whiz, I'm driving an 11 year old Chevy. Uh, but I got a new Indian motorcycle. That's good. But you know, I have, we have more. We have more than we need. You know. We say, what do you want to do for dinner tonight? Where do you want to go for dinner tonight? I mean, life is good, man. People, I don't know, people get too bogged down in, in, in wanting, wanting and not being satisfied. You know, I mean, to me, happiness is a state of mind. Happiness, you tell yourself, I'm going to be happy. I'm happy. Uh, life is good, right? A lot of people are, are miserable, and they they're doing that to themselves wise words there that was thank you for sharing that that's man that a lot of gems in there a lot of things we could kind of go into and stuff but gratitude especially i think i think that's something a lot of people like you said kind of just ignore right we don't really realize how good we have it i mean even as we're sitting here talking about oh i don't drive a mclaren but some people don't even like drive a car. Like we have more cars like per people. I think, I don't know the exact statistic, but we have more cars than actual people. Whereas like in India, it's like there's one car to every 10 people <laughs> type of thing. And it's like, if you start doing, yeah, exactly. It's like they, they don't have nearly as much stuff as, especially Americans. Like, yes, Americans are very spoiled. <laughs> You know, I look at America sometimes like, uh, <laughs> oh geez, like Star Wars, The Empire. I was like, I think we're the Empire. You know, we have everything. Exactly. Yeah, we got and the best technology and the most money and the most everything. I mean, <laughs> no, I actually, when you bring that up, uh, I had a guest on a couple months 
uh, back and he uh, <laughs> he he talked. He actually used like a Star Wars analogy too. He's he talked about how some people view the U.S. as an empire actually, and they're the rebels, and the U.S. views themselves as the rebels, and everyone else is like the bad guys is the empire type of thing. And his point was, he's like, well, everyone wants to be the good guys, right? <laughs> but that's the thing: is what's right, what's wrong. Like that's up for those people to decide and. I like to think that, you know, the United States is a better empire than some of the previous ones we've encountered. And, you know, we've helped a lot of people. But at the same time, I, I definitely see why other people might view us as the empire. So uh, I'm looking at time here. Today's been a fantastic discussion. But uh, I guess I can't uh, forget the signature intelligent question of the day. So... The question, I should have used the last question is that, but uh, for the intelligent question of the day, you know what, I'm going to make this, you, you don't have to answer this, but what makes you just enjoy life? Like what's something that just gets you up every morning, makes you happy and makes you, what, what's your favorite thing about life? Jeez, just another day, you know, I mean, I go to bed at night. I always take my dogs out before I go to sleep at night and I look up the stars and um, I say thank you for another day of life. You know, I mean, uh, I look forward to, um, you know, life's, life's never over until it's over. You got to keep going forward and keep doing things. I like to sit at my computer every morning with a cup of coffee and write for an hour. You know, that's, I mean, it's where these books come from. So, and it's funny because uh, people ask me, why don't you write about law enforcement? Why don't you write about the military? Well, how do you how do you write science fiction and fantasy novels? That's what makes me happy, right? That's what it's about. What makes you happy? You know? I mean, I would love to show a couple of my books if I could. Like this was this was my first novel. It's called <laughs> The Federation Trilogy. Okay. Look at that. Pretty thick, not bad. But uh, you know, these were stories in this novel that I started writing, um, the first story in this novel I, I actually wrote in 1988 and just kept it in a box and uh, said, someday I'm going to be a writer, you know, and I was too busy with life. Well, now I have, have had a chance to pursue that. And then, boom, I wrote a sequel, Federation of Max Pappas. See? And then uh, I have my first fantasy novel, which is Maxwell Tart and the Witch of the Black Oak. Um, these are all available on Amazon and Kobo and Barnes and Noble. And then I have a, a, uh, I have a sequel to the fantasy novel coming out probably Monday. I'm all done with it. I just have to hit the launch button. Um, it's called <laughs> Maxwell Tart and the Defense of Blacktown. And then I have an actual law enforcement novel that I finally wrote. And uh, it's going to be coming out soon. It's in the it's in the production stages. You know, the bait, I'm just finishing with beta readers and making corrections, and then it's going to go to editing. Um, that's going to be um, it, basically it's about a law enforcement officer who quits the big city and goes to a small town in South Dakota and uh, meets a tribal policeman, and they investigate a, a murder that happened on the reservation. And then, uh, like good murder mysteries, a second murder happens halfway through and, uh, you know, trying to figure out who did it. And there's a little uh, noir a tribal justice that occurs. 
And uh, I mean, my wife thinks it was my best novel, um, but it was weird. I didn't want to write about stuff that wasn't science fiction and fantasy, but I have all this law enforcement knowledge in my head and cases I've worked. Plus, I also have the spiritual stuff because I have participated for years in the Native American Sweat Lodge. Um, so um, I wanted to throw a lot of that in there and a lot of prejudices that I've um, encountered where I was the only white guy and uh, they didn't want to sweat. Some people didn't want to sweat with a white guy. You're not Indian, you know, and I never tried to be or tried to say grandma was a Cherokee princess. You know, I just always said, no, I'm white. I'm just on a red road. And uh, so, uh, you know, been through a lot in my spiritual journey. And uh, so I wanted to put some of that in the book, too. Quite a while. How long have you been writing? Okay, so uh, to give you a little, I, I'm 61. I started writing at 59. So in two, word, two years, I have f almost five books out. And that's because I'm not punching a clock anymore and I have time to sit down. And if, if you want to be a writer, <clears throat> there's an old saying, writers write. Okay, it's as simple as that, writers write. I wanted to be a writer for years and I would write little short stories and um, start novels and not finish them. And I threw them in this old briefcase that I still have. If you want to be a writer, you got to write. And so now that I have time and I, I, I think if you can, everybody, you have to have a routine. If you can find an hour a day and make that your writing time and sit down for an hour a day, it would be, it's amazing how much you can churn out at the end of a week, at the end of a month, at the end of a year, you can have a lot of pages written. And I have a little routine. I, I sit down, I read what I wrote yesterday, make any corrections that come come up. And then um, I start that I start on the fresh stuff. Before I start a book, I do a, a outline on a piece of paper arc where I want to go. And then I do an outline for each chapter where I want to go. And then just sit down and start banging away, man. That's impressive, too. That's something not too many people if anyone has really done and yeah that's awesome so I hate to wrap this up but I mean you kind of already touched on your books and you know what those are about but what's the best way they can find those or you know if people want to reach out to you like because they liked what we heard today like get to know you things like that what's the best way they can do that I have a Instagram page author page uh, I also have um, a Facebook author page Michael Max Darrow, D-A-R-R-O-W. Uh, also um, on Kindle Books. Uh, my first novel, The Federation Trilogy, is on Audible also. And uh, Kobo, which is the biggest bookseller in, in Canada. And BarnesandNoble.com. It's, uh, you know, just look up. You can look me up by author Michael Max Darrow, or you can look up the... Um, like the, my first book, The Federation Trilogy by Michael Max Darrow, it'll come up and then there will be an author links and links to my other books. And, uh, you know, I think they're fun. I try to be fast paced, lots of action, uh, more original Star Trek than Next Generation <laughs> Star Trek, you know, less cerebral, more fight, shoot them up, bang, bang, and uh, girls painted green, more fun stuff, you know. That's awesome. So, Michael, thank you for coming on today. I've enjoyed 
what we've you've shared today. I've learned a lot. I'm sh- I hope maybe the listeners that are tuning in today they learned something as well. But thank you for taking the time to come on today. Yeah, and shoot me a link too so I can uh, put yeah, this. Yeah, I'll, I'll be f- sure to do that. So everyone, thank you for listening. As you can tell, that was Michael Max Darrow. He gave you some information there. I challenge you guys if you liked what you heard today to go read his books. Something I think you guys should do. Uh, Stay tuned till next week. We have a great guest lined up for you guys. See you guys next week and let's get after it. Hey everyone, if you liked this episode and would like to hear more, be sure to hit that subscribe or follow button. We release a new episode every Wednesday for you guys to listen to. Thank you guys so much for the support that you give. We could not have done this without you guys. If you would like to be a potential guest on the show, check out intelligentconvos.com and fill out the form there. Thank you guys again, and let's get after it.